And go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. We'll start there in just a moment. Great to have you here. You know, as we begin this morning, I think that probably some of you have learned a simple truth that uh, I learned in life a long time ago. And maybe some of you have experienced this truth, even though we're only two weeks now into the, into the new year. And here's this simple truth that we've probably all learned. In life, it's always something. <laughs> Say that with me. In life, it's always something. Always something comes up. The truth is, we're never going to have a problem-free life. You're either coming out of a problem, you're in the middle of a problem, or you're getting ready to head into a new one. <laughs> because in life, it's simply a string of problems. It's always something. But why is life so tough? Why is it so tough? Because the truth is, God never meant for our lives to be so tough. In fact, when life began in the Garden of Eden, life was not tough. Life was terrific. For Adam and Eve, no sin, no sickness, no sorrow, no brokenness. It was awesome. But that moment when Adam and Eve decided to go their own way instead of God's way, which is what we call sin, that's when the problems all started. And man has been doing the very same thing ever since. We say things like, God, I think I know what will make me happy more than you do. So I'm going to disobey what you say to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And folks, that's called sin. That's called missing God's mark for our lives. That's called going our way instead of God's way. And that sin then becomes the source of all the problems in our world today. You see, when Adam and Eve went their own way, sin entered the world. And our world's now been plagued with the problems that sin always brings ever since. The kind of problems that come when man is ruled by his own desires instead of ruling, being ruled and following God's desires. That's why we have broken marriages, broken families, broken workplaces, broken relationships of all kinds. But in addition to what our own sinful desires do to our lives and do to our world, there's another battle going on. And it's the battle for your life. This weekend, I'm starting a new series called The Invisible War. Because there is an invisible war that's going on all around you. You are living in a war zone. There are spiritual forces that are coming after your soul. Their mission is to capture you. Their mission is to imprison you in enemy territory for all eternity. And we call that place hell. And the Bible calls these spiritual forces the forces of the world of flesh and the world of the devil. Now the first battle is always inside of you. That battle within, which is the battle against your own sinful nature. It is the battle you've got to fight where you just always want to make wrong choices. I mean, have you ever done something self, you knew something that you were going to do was going to be self-destructive, but you did it anyway? Can we be honest? 
Ever done things that you just knew were wrong, but you did them anyway? That's called the battle within. The battle against that old sinful nature. And even though Christ comes in and he brings the new, the old goes away and the new comes, you can still, if you choose to, begin to act like the old man. Amen? Anybody ever done that? I have. You can act like the old man. That's called the battle within. But there's also a second battle going on all around you. And that's the battle where the world, our culture, is against Christians and believers and followers of Christ. And they're always trying to tear us down. It doesn't matter if you're on top and you're number one, kind of like Tebow in football right now. It doesn't matter if you're on top or you're on the bottom and you've hit bottom. There's always someone in our culture that's trying to tear us down. That's called the battle all around you. But then there's a third battle. This battle is against you. And that battle is where Satan is coming against you. It's that battle where Satan is coming to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has planned for you. It's the battle for your eternal soul. Satan and his forces are coming after you. And they plan to capture you. They plan to imprison you in hell for all eternity. Folks, Satan is not a myth. He is real. He was created not to be Satan. He was not created to be the devil. He was not created to be against God. He was created by God, but he rebelled against God. And now he's out to take down to hell every follower of God. Folks, life is tough because there's this invisible war going on behind the scenes. And that is why everything is hard. That's why Everything is a battle. That's why life is not easy, because you've got this force coming against you. But I want to share with you this morning, there's a group of men and women listed in the Bible who gives us hope. God calls them the heroes of the faith. They are a group of people who went through the battles of life like we go through. They fought those battles. They won those battles, and they stayed true to God. These people are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, and we call Hebrews 11 the faith hall of fame. They're people who fought the battle well, people who finished the Christian race well. And this morning, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 because I want you to learn how to fight this invisible war. I want you to learn to fight well so that you can finish the Christian race well. And all of God's people said... Amen. I want to I help you learn through this series. We're going to spend the next seven weeks or so in this series. I want to help you learn how to win the battle over temptation. Some of you have been plagued by things your whole life, and you keep falling to the same old thing. And we all have that, that little thing that we have to deal with, that, that Satan just tempts us right there. I read one commentator this week. He calls it our darling sin. That sin is kind of our darling that we kind of just like to hold close and keep close to us. Satan keeps coming back and tempting us there. And I want to teach you how to win the battle over your temptations. Whether it's coming from within you or it's coming around you from the culture or it's this war waged against you by Satan himself. In the first part of Hebrews 11, it talks about these people that I know you've heard about, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, 
Gideon, whole bunch of people listed here. People who fought the battle well. But it also reveals that life for them was not easy. It also reveals that they faced all kinds of battles that we face. And in some cases, the things they faced were much worse. Take a look at it, beginning with verse 35, Hebrews 11. It says, but others were tortured. So the scriptures before this, it's talking about Abraham and all these guys. But it says, but even others were tortured because they refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They say, we'll set you free if you'll just say, I'm not a follower of God. But they refused that. They'd rather die. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Some had their, their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some, get this, were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. I'd like God to be able to say that about us. Amen? Your canyon. Those people... Man, they wouldn't turn away from my name, says God. They followed me no matter what people brought against them. They wouldn't turn against my name. And they were too good for this world. These people went wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground just to stay worshipers of God. And the Bible goes on and says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. In other words, they can't receive the prize at the end of the Christian race until we finish the race. They don't get their prize until we finish the race. Now that's one heavy passage. Amen? Oh, come on, guys. Wake up. Amen? Amen. That's a heavy passage. We think we've got it bad in life. Look at what they went through just to say, I love God, and I will not turn my back on God. And this passage points out three things we need to understand. First of all, faith doesn't spare us from trouble in this life. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You can be doing all the right things and still have trouble and still suffer as a Christian. God will take you through and out of a lot of it. But the very best thing is God never leaves you through it. Amen? He's with you through every part of it. And he sustains you through it. Some of God's promises won't be fulfilled until eternity comes. Not all of his promises that he's made to us will be kept on earth. But just because a promise isn't fulfilled today or tomorrow or the next day doesn't mean God's not going to keep his promise. God's delayal is not a denial. Some of God's promises are going to be fulfilled to us in eternity. Third key truth from this. The prize is not given until we all finish the race. All the Christians that went before us won't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the Christian race. That's because you and I, we're runners in this historical Christian relay race. We're joining others in this this huge relay race. God is raising up a people for himself to live with him forever and ever. And there have been generations before us who ran the race. And they passed the baton on to us. Now we're running the race. We need to pass the baton on to those people. And the race isn't over until the last runner crosses the finish line. I don't know when that's going to be. 
I don't know when God's going to call the race over. That's not our job to know and understand that. Our job is to run the race, amen? To run the race. What if you were watching the Olympics and you were watching the the 400-meter relay race and the guy at the end of the first 100 meters stops and goes, okay, I'm ready for my medal. (laughs) I've done my part. This is a 400-meter. He runs the first 100 and goes, "I, I want my medal. Give me my medal now. And the people running the race say the race isn't over. And he says, but I finished my part. (laughs) That's probably how Moses feels, amen? How Abraham feels. I I, I finished my part. But folks, we need to understand we're part of a bigger race. Everybody will get the gold after everybody's run. But Abraham and Moses and all the others won't receive their prize until we cross the finish line. That means they're watching us and they're waiting for us. As we run our leg of the race, they're watching and they're waiting. Hebrews chapter 12 goes on to say this. Take a look at this. Therefore, what's therefore mean? It means we've been talking about all these people who've been running the race before us. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. This passage tells us how to keep on running when when, when you feel like giving up. What do you do when, when... Satan's coming against you and you got all these temptations coming your way and and you just feel like giving up. What do you do when life gets tough, when the battles and the temptations keep coming? What do you do? Write this down. First of all, you think about the witnesses watching you. You get in a quiet place and you begin to reflect on all those people who have gone before you, who are Christians, and you begin to remember that heaven is watching me. That's the very first thing the writer of Hebrews tells us when he's trying to encourage us to not give up. The Bible says, therefore, in light of all these people, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, David, everybody, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, what are witnesses? People who are watching, looking. Since we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, run. Folks, do you realize that you're being watched? Your life has an audience. Nothing you do is private. Nothing you do is personal. It's not secret. Heaven is watching. And of course, we know that God is watching. The Bible says this, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. In other words, God is constantly watching you. The Bible also says, God knows everything I do. He sees every step I take. Everybody say with me, oh no, oh no. (laughs) 
Your life has an audience. Nothing is hidden from God. That is a sobering fact. You are being watched by witnesses who also had it tough. Witnesses who also were tempted, who had ups and downs, times of failure. You're being watched by people who also know how tough life can be. And you need to know they are not in heaven criticizing you. They're cheering you on. They know how hard it can be. And they're watching and they're saying, run. Don't give up. Don't stop fighting temptation. Finish the race. So when you feel like giving up, think about the witnesses that have gone before you. Think about the runners in the Christian race, like Abraham and Moses, who had it tough. And say, I, they ran, I'm going to run. They're on my team, I'm on their team. I'm going to finish well. Think about the witnesses watching you. Second, then strip off the weights hindering you. If you want to make it to the end of the race, you've got to do what I call some dumping. <laughs> you've got to do some dumping. You've got to strip away what doesn't matter, those things that hinder you when it comes to really running for Jesus Christ. What are you doing that is slowing down your spiritual race? Kind of take an inventory as you begin this new year. What are you doing that's getting in the way of you really running for Jesus? Why are you saying, I don't have time to be in the Word every morning? What do you need to dump so that you can? Maybe staying up and watching a late show till 11 or 12. I don't know. What are you saying, I, I can't spend time with God before I go to work? What is it that is hindering you really running for Jesus? What do you need to give up? What do you need to axe out of your calendar so that it's not a weight on your spiritual race? The Bible says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. What slows you down? The Bible says right here, two things, weights and sin. They slow you down. Now, weights are usually not things that are wrong. They can be even really, really good things. But they're things that aren't really necessary for your Christian race, the race that God's called you to run. So what things are taking you away from God? What things are keeping you from really using your time for God, your talents for God, your resources for God? If you want your life to count, if you want to make a difference in the lives of others and do what God puts you on earth to do, you got to focus on the majors, not major on the minors. Sometimes you need to say no to some really good things in life. How many of you found out that you can really drown under the weight of too many good things in your calendar? Anybody else found that out? <laughs> Every year I take some inventory and say, God, what do I need to cut out? And I've cut out some good things. I've called up our superintendent of the French church and said, I can't be on this board anymore. This has got to go lower on the priority list for me. What do you need to, to cut out so you can really run for God? God doesn't want you to burn out. He wants you to run full out to the finish line. Amen? 
Run full out to the finish line. So strip off the weights that are slowing you down spiritually, but especially the sin that's slowing you down. What's sin? Well, sin is knowing what to do, but not doing it. When you know the right thing to do, but you don't do it, that is sin. Well, that's convicting, folks. Think about this. You and I know a whole lot of stuff written right in here, don't we? God's book that we're to do. And God's saying, knowing you're to do it and you're not doing it, that is sin. That slows you down in your race. Look at this. The Bible says this. Anyone that knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. When you feel like giving up, think about the witnesses that are watching you. When you feel like giving up, strip off the weights and the sin that's keeping you from really running. We ended the year, you remember, talking about getting rid of the, the gory inner parts so that everything that's within us can bless God. We talked about getting the skeletons out of the closet so that we can really bless God from all that's within us. Well, what are some of the outside weights we need to get rid of? What are some of the other things we need to get rid of so we can really run for God? Third, then endure the race. Write that down. Endure the race that God has for you. Think about the witnesses, strip off the weights, and then endure the race. Now listen, God made you to run for Him. God made you to represent Him in this historical relay race of the Christian faith. Olympians represent their country. Christians represent their God. Amen? We're running for God. Can you imagine I'm getting chills right now. Can you imagine God has chosen you to be on his relay team? How awesome is that? The creator of all that exists says, I want you to run on my team. I remember the grade school days. Please pick me. Please pick me. You know, God says, I want you to live on this earth. I want you to run this race for me. I want you to represent me and my country, your true home, which is heaven. And the Bible says, let us then run that race with endurance that God has set before us. Now look at the word endurance. When you run for Jesus, when you live your life for Jesus, hardships are going to come. Satan's going to come against you. And you've got to endure if you're going to finish the race. Things are going to happen around you in your culture. Satan's going to come and tempt you, make you want to just give up. But you've got to endure and make it to the finish line. I've talked about this before. When I was in high school, I was a sprinter. Uh, I ran the 100-yard dash. Today it's called the 100-yard meter, so you know how long ago that was. But I ran the 100-yard dash, and I also ran the first leg, 110 yards, in the 440 relay. And so we were at a meet one, one uh, week, and, and I had just run the 100-yard dash. And coach comes to me, and he says, Larry, the, our 220-yard sprinter just got sick. He can't compete. I want you to run the 220-yard race, 220-yard dash or sprint. I had just finished a race, and I was tired. But I agreed to run it, and all I remember is the starter's gun went off. I took out of those blocks like it was a 100-yard dash. I looked over my shoulder at the 100-yard mark. I was ahead. I look over my shoulder at the 
Mark, I was ahead. I thought, this is great. This is a piece of cake. I look over my shoulder at the 175-yard mark. I was still ahead. And then suddenly, my thighs became like concrete blocks. I thought my lungs were going to explode. And I just said, Larry, you got to relax. Just relax. You can make it to the finish line. And all at once, a person came up beside me and just passed me. Another person passed me. Another person passed me. And then I was saying, God, just get me across the line. <laughs> Got across the finish line, kept on running, ran off the track, and guess what was next? Threw up. <laughs> Threw up. Sometimes when you're running for Jesus, you get hard things that happen. Life weighs you down, and you just want to quit. And it's at that moment that you need to endure. It's then you need to give what you got left. It's then that you need to give all that you've got so that you can cross that finish line. You've got to run with endurance. Run with endurance. Now, look at the words, the race that God has set before us. When you run for Jesus, you're to run the race that he created you and gifted you to run. You're not to run the race that that your parents want you to run. You're not to run the race that some academic advisor wants you to run. You're not to run the race that some professor sets before you. You're not even to run the race that you think that you would like to run. You're to run the race that God has set before you from the beginning of time. He created you to follow his plan, to run on his race and run on his race team. He's got a race for each one of us to run. And you're not supposed to try to run somebody else's race. And if you try to run somebody else's race, the same thing's going to happen to you that happened to me. (laughs) You're going to get halfway through the race and it hits you. And you think, I'm not going to make it. That's because you're running a race. You're operating outside of your spiritual gifts. You're trying to do something God never created you to do. And you think, am I even going to make it to the finish line? You've got to run the race. That God has called you to run. How do you do that? How do you discover God's race for your life? Well, there's lots of ways. But first is this. And I know this is going to sound like a commercial. But first of all, you've got to sign up for our step class that's coming up. Because in our step class, you discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Gifts that God has created you to use in your race. And those gifts then, as you begin to use them... You say, wow, I, must, I better not serve over here because these gifts don't really fit. And they're not working so well. But then you, you go over here and you, you involve yourself in serving God in some way. And the gifts work. And you find yourself being effective. And you find fruit from your ministry. And, and you find joy and, and excitement in your ministry. And you say, this is the race that God has created me to run. Those gifts point you towards the race you're to run. Second, you can ask me or anybody in our staff or any of our elders, would you please mentor me? And and we can take you through a 12-week process and help you discover where you can be most effective in your run for Jesus. And in 12 weeks, you're going to find, wow, all of my life, God's been pointing me this way, but I've been missing it. And we can help point you in that direction. You can discover the race that God has meant for you to run. Folks, rabbits were never meant to fly. Eagles were never meant to swim. Ducks were never meant to run. That's why they waddle. (laughs) Folks, you got to run your race. 
You know, when you get to heaven, God isn't going to say, why didn't you run the race like Larry ran it? He's not going to say that. He's going to say, why didn't you run the race that I gifted and created you to run? Why didn't you seek me first and keep me the center of your life? And why didn't you just really run for me the way I created you to run? Folks, run the race that God's calling you to run. Discover that race. Then use your gifts and talents that he gave to you for your race. And endure that race, write this down, by keeping your eyes on Jesus. He says, run the race. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. When you're going through a tough time and and you feel like throwing in the towel, you feel like you're at the end of the the rope, you feel like, I'm never going to make it to the the end of this Christian finish line. Satan's coming against me and I I keep falling to the same temptation over and over and over. God, I'm just never going to make it. That's when you need to put your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on your situation, but on your Savior. The Bible says this. We do this. What? We run this race by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to the finish line. Amen? We, we, we endure by pe- keeping our eyes fixed on Him. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. It may seem like you're going through something that's unendurable right now. I don't even know if that's a word. Unendurable right now. And you're saying, I can't handle this. But I'd like to say this, and you may want to write it down. But to endure the unendurable, keep your eyes fixed on the invisible. And that's Jesus Christ. To endure the unendurable, keep your eyes fixed on the invisible, Jesus Christ. Corey Ten Boom was a survivor of the death camp in World War II. She wrote this phrase while she was in the death camp. If you look to the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to Christ, you'll be at rest. In the middle of a death camp, she found fixing her eyes on Jesus gave her what she needed to endure the Christian race. How, how you run the race depends on who you fix your eyes on. So what do you do? You keep your eyes fixed on what Jesus has done for you. You keep your eyes fixed on, on God's goodness to you on God's grace to you over and over and over again. You keep your eyes fixed on God's presence that's living within you. You keep your eyes fixed on God's power flowing through you. That's exactly what Jonah did. But before he fixed his eyes on God, he was running in the opposite direction from where God wanted him to run. God says, go preach to the people in Nineveh. But instead, he got on a boat and went the opposite way to Spain. So what did God do? He stirred up a storm, stirred up a storm. And the boat crew determined that Jonah's disobedience to God was why they were having this storm. They threw him overboard and the storm stopped. The Bible goes on and said that God created a great fish that swallowed up Jonah and kept Jonah in its belly for three days. Now, some people have a lot of hard time believing that scripture. How could that be? All I got to say about that scripture is if God can create an entire universe, he can create anything he wants. Amen? He can create a fish big enough for a man to live in. He can even create an apartment for Jonah in there. (laughs) He can do whatever it takes to protect the one who's running on his team. Amen? 
And this is what Jonah says in the belly of the fish. When I had lost all hope, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. How do you endure? You fix your eyes on the Lord. When the tough things come, put your eyes on Jesus. Second, endure this race by keeping your eyes on the prize. In other words, minimize the pain of the race and keep your eyes on the prize to come from running the race. Don't look at the short-term pain. Look at the long-term gain. Amen? Oh, you got to wake up, guys. Long-term gain, which is heaven. Amen? All right, stay with me here. The Bible says, He, Jesus, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy He knew would be His. Look at this. Afterward. Now he's seated at the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. What is the joy that was going to be Jesus afterwards? What was his prize going to be afterwards? He knew that the pain of his race, the pain of his death, would make it possible for you and me to live in heaven with him. And so he endured the pain of his race by keeping his eyes on the prize, us joining him in heaven for all eternity. That was what his prize is. Endure by keeping your eyes on the prize. Look past the short-term pain. Look at the long-term gain. You know, that's what exactly what Paul did. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about the pain that he went through just running for Jesus. And I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but he says things like, I worked hard. I put in jail many times. I've been whipped more times than I can count. I faced death again and again. Five times I've been whipped by the Jews with 39 lashes. I've been stoned. I've been beaten with rods. I've been shipwrecked. I've been hungry. I've been naked. I've I've been without clothes to keep me warm from the cold. I faced dangers from robbers and and dangers from people who called themselves Christians, but they weren't. And he goes on and on. I've faced all of these things as as a runner in the race for Jesus. But then listen to what he says. But in spite of all of this, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And this next scripture, I can't believe. And he says, for our light and momentary troubles. Does stoning sound like light and momentary troubles? Being beaten and whipped and jailed? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul, in the midst of all that stuff, kept his eye on the eternal prize. And he kept his eyes on the prize, and it caused him to run well and finish well. By the way, how how long is eternity? (laughs) It's forever. What's eternity worth? It's priceless. So what do we do when the race gets hard, when we're fully engaged in this war and Satan's coming against us and he's tempting us and we want to give in, we want to give up? What do we do? The Bible says, let us not become weary in doing good, in doing what is righteous. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Those listed in the Faith Hall of Fame, folks, didn't give up. And God's brought me here this morning to tell you as we begin this new year, I don't know what you're going through, but don't give up. Endure by keeping your eyes on the prize. Folks, there's an invisible war going on. 
There are spiritual forces that are after your soul. Their mission is to capture you, to imprison you in enemy territory for eternity. That is why life is hard. That is why life is not easy. So what should you do when you feel like giving up? Think about the witnesses that are watching you and waiting for you and cheering you on. Strip off the weights that are hindering you. Get rid of the stuff and the sin that's slowing you down this year. And endure the race that God has for you by keeping your eyes on Jesus and on the prize. Amen? Amen. Would you bow with me for prayer? I wrote this prayer, and as I was writing it, I want you to pray it with me as kind of a a new year kind of a prayer as we start this new series. So when I pray, would you pray it in your heart? Father, I confess I've not always fought the good fight. I've not always stood up against the things that Satan sent against me. At times I've quit and I've given up. At times I've given in. But today I choose to fight the good fight. I choose to run the right race. I choose to finish the race God created me to run. Forgive me for all my sin. Cleanse me from the inside out. And as I keep my eyes on you and my eyes on the prize, give me the strength to endure the tough stuff and and to finish the race. Father, you've called us to run in something bigger than we've ever dreamed. We just didn't happen to show up on this planet. We are part of you raising up a people for yourself. We're going to get to join the people we've read about all of our lives. We're going to get to celebrate with you in heaven. And rejoice living in a place that we've always dreamed of. Lord Jesus, let us keep our eyes on the prize. Help us cross the finish line and finish well. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's followers said, Amen. Amen.